You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And we are back. We've got this mind-blowing Catholic content for you. Although we, we do promise to try to keep it from ear-shattering, like I had said going into the break, so I apologize <laughs> about that. But uh, we're back with more Real Presence Live. We've got Brad Gray and Janine Bitson here. And we are so excited now to, have, uh, to turn our attention to a conversation with Sister Alicia Torres, who is heading up uh, a, a major portion of the National Eucharistic Revival. She's the general editor of the, the newsletter for the Eucharistic Revival. And it's just, Sister, it's, it's such a joy to have you on with us this morning. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you, too. Fantastic. We were, we were remarking at the beginning of the show, what a, what a glorious time of year this is, honestly. Absolutely, yeah. It's full of light. And we're up, up in the northern tier here. It's, it's also, there's a coming to life just by finally getting rid of the enormous snowbanks that we have uh, punctuating <laughs> our land. <laughs> it has been pretty intense, but uh, it, it is uh, amazing. Uh, God's timing with yeah. Easter yeah. And, and the spring of sprung. We got a resurrection going on exactly. here. Exactly. Oh, I'm so excited to visit with you more, you know, about um, the National Eucharistic Revival's new Mystagogy series. Um, so can you first just introduce yourself? Like, how long have you been a nun and what made you choose the religious life? Sure. So our religious community is called the Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago. So we're on the west side of the city, and I've been a, this is my I'm in my 14th year mm. of religious life. Um, and certainly, you know, any vocation is a call from God, and we are free to respond, right? And by God's grace and prayer and accompaniment, I was able to say yes. And it's been it's been a joy, like any vocation, right? There's always a cross, mm-hmm. um, but Jesus is with us in all things, um, and there's so much beauty in living a life where, you know, we're responding and we're listening and we're trying trying to be with the Lord and also be His presence in our world. Mm, yeah. Sister, what, what drew you to your community specifically? You know, for me, our, our religious community is Franciscan, um, and many people don't know that St. Francis of Assisi was a profoundly Eucharistic mm. man. Yes. As a matter of fact, he worked very vigorously to implement all the reforms of Lateran IV that had to do with reverencing and the proper care for the things of the Mass and sacraments and exhorting priests in their in their dignity and their vocation. Um, and he was very inspired by the reality of the Incarnation, and he very much understood that the Eucharist is really that sustained ability for us in the most profound way in this life to access the glory of the Incarnation, that this is truly Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, and so St. Francis isn't just a garden statue, but a very Eucharistic saint. Mm. Um, and our, you know, our community is, like every Catholic, of course, they're invited to center our lives around the Eucharist, but in our religious community we have daily Mass, Eucharistic Adoration, and similar to Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, you know, we believe if you can't see Jesus in the Eucharist, how can you see him in the poor mm. and in the broken and the downtrodden? So as we allow ourselves to see with those eyes of faith that this is truly our Lord present to us, we can see him more on our own selves and then see him and those that we're called to serve. Um, and I think that you know, is the heart of the matter. It's I want to see Jesus and I want to learn to see him 
and others and love them as he does. And, and we do that in very simple, humble ways, I think. Mm, that's so beautiful. Yes. I, You know, my husband and I, we were on vacation and we went to a Dominican retreat in Florida. And just the feeling of like you were at the hands and you were at the feet of Jesus. I mean, it was so amazing. And that's what we should be feeling as we celebrate the sacramental life. I mean, and we should be feeling that every single day that we have this mystical connection mm-hmm. with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm so grateful, you know, with this National Eucharistic Revival. Um, it's so vitally important. For our listeners, can, can you just tell them what that is in case they haven't heard of it yet? Sure. So the National Eucharistic Revival is an initiative of our American or U.S. bishops, um, really um, through a process of discernment, many people may recall the 2019 Pew Research study that indicated an overwhelming minority of Catholics believe in the doctrine of the real presence. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a crisis, and so few Catholics. I think our numbers post-COVID right now are 13% of Catholics are attending Sunday Mass. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a, that's, that's a crisis. I mean, if we were a Fortune 500 company, we'd, we'd be in crisis mode, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but with every crisis, is an opportunity to see with the eyes of faith and discern what is the Lord asking of us. And so the bishops have discerned the Lord is calling for and inspiring the revival in our land. And so that's what this is about. It's about listening to what the Lord is saying to us and His invitation to recenter ourselves upon the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist. And, you know, when we think about the great council that it can do, a lot of times people refer to that phrase from the council, the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, of our Christian faith. Um, but understood more completely, they're actually referring to the Mass. You know, the Mass is the highest form of prayer that we have, and it's where heaven meets earth in the Eucharist. We can understand as the Mass and as the Blessed Sacrament, right? And so it's all, like, the complete picture there. Mm-hmm. So a return to Mass and understanding and praying the Mass, but then also our own Eucharistic devotion and prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. So... The Mass is the highest form of prayer, and from that flows adoration and Eucharistic devotion, those lead us back to the Mass. Um, and so that's what this is all about, is helping and, and inviting the Church back into a living relationship with Jesus in the Holy Eucharist and being sent with Him on mission for the life of the world, so kind of this movement that we see in John chapter 6, and Jesus reveals Himself as the living bread. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And like, whoa, that blew some people's minds, and they walked away from Him. So the teaching has never been easy, and the Church has never watered it down. And so we need to proclaim Christ, but we need to find creative ways to proclaim Him in our day and age. And we see that happening all over the country with the various uh, creativity of the grassroots that have been engaging with the revival. Yes, yes. I mean, sister, I, I really do feel, and I, I know I've talked to many other people that feel the same way, that we live at a privileged point in the history of our country right now. I mean, <laughs> in one sense, we, we see things just utterly de- getting demolished, right? There's so much just mm-hmm. falling apart around us. And yet, like the Holy Spirit has inspired the, those eyes of faith that you were talking about a little while ago to be focused, to be fixed with a, a penetrating gaze on our Eucharistic Lord, the one who has, who is the answer to everything that we're, we're confronting. Um, and I just, I, I love this, I love being a part of this moment. Um, and and I, I imagine for you, now, did I get it right earlier when I said you're the general editor of the, the newsletter? And maybe you have other responsibilities. I'm sorry, what's that? 
the managing editor. Managing editor. Um, yeah. You know, what really stands out to me, and, and just this journey uh, that I've been on in the last year, you know, you've You've talked about, you talked about St. Francis, and you think about the profound time that God placed him in salvation history, you know, Mm -hmm. and and how beautiful that is. And I think we're at a really similar time here as well, Um, you know, where we, the mystical body of Christ is not broken and never will be, but we have like these factions that, you know, um, that some are like, antithetical to Vatican II even, and yet the revitalization of the Mass in Vatican II goes back to like bringing what St. Cyril in 315 A.D., you know, to 386 A.D., what he did with this term, this odd word. Can you explain what this word means and, and what your series is about with mystagogy? Sure, absolutely, yeah. So, you know, this ancient form of liturgical catechesis, mystagogy, like you noted, it's been with us um, from the earliest days of the Church, and it was something that the Church Fathers really helped to develop. Um, You might remember from studying Church history that in the early Church, we were under persecution. You know, Christianity wasn't legalized in the Roman Empire until the mid-300s, and so this was a constant persecution that the first followers of Jesus were undergoing. And so the mysteries of the faith were protected even more so than we might even imagine today. So if you were um, in initiation preparing to be baptized, you wouldn't participate in the full Mass. You would actually leave after the Liturgy of the Word as we know it today, um, and you wouldn't even experience being witness to the consecration. And so after one was baptized and was initiated into the Church through those Easter sacraments, Eucharist, Confirmation, Baptism, then there'd be a whole season of mystagogy, of going deeper into the mysteries of the faith that they were just encountering for the first time, that they had been preparing for, and now they're encountering them. Mm -hmm. And so this tradition has always been with us, and as we were praying and discerning, you know, what what is something that we can offer to the Church uh, during the Easter season to help our our Catholics to pray the Mass. This seemed like such a natural fit um, for us, and so that's why we chose to, to develop this series. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's 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 fitting that we're having the conversation right now because we are, you know, as one who's worked with the RCIA process for over twenty years now, we're in the period of mystagogy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is the period where historically the church would unpack the sacraments, the the mysteries of Christ that were kind of hidden in a certain sense from those that were entering into the church and like the the catechumenate of Saint Augustine. Um, that, that notion that, you know, without the grace of baptism, we really couldn't understand the sacramental life. And so here we get to have a conversation about this element of the, the Eucharistic revival uh, that's going to be rolled out. We're going to have to take a quick break, but on the other side of the break, let's, let's go into what, what this whole Mystagogy series is going to be all about. What's the, what's the heart and the mind of it, and how's it all, what, like, what's it, how's it all put together? What's it, what's it like? So um, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with uh, more Real Presence Live right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo De Filippis of St. Luke Productions. The Deep Desire of the Magi Why did the Magi set off from afar to go to Bethlehem? The answer has to do with the mystery of the star which they saw in the east and which they recognized as the star of the King of the Jews, that is to say, the sign of the birth of the Messiah. So their journey was inspired by a powerful hope toward the kingship of God himself. The Magi set out because of a deep desire which prompted them to leave everything and begin a journey. This is the mystery of God's call, the mystery of vocation. It is part of the life of every Christian. When the Magi came to Bethlehem, going into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Here at last was the long-awaited moment, their encounter with Jesus. Going into the house. This house, in some sense, represents the church. In order to find the Savior, one has to enter the house which is the church. They fell down and worshipped him and offered him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Here is the culmination of the whole journey. Encounter becomes adoration. It blossoms into an act of faith and love which acknowledges in Jesus, born of Mary, the Son of God made man. The secret of holiness is friendship with Christ and faithful obedience to his will. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Janine Bitson. And I'm Brad Gray. And we're having a wonderful conversation with Sister Alicia Torres. Uh, She is with the National Eucharistic Revival, uh, the National Eucharistic Conference, who is uh, developing this revival uh, series on mystagogy. And uh, we're just so excited to have this conversation with you because it's so important that we enter more deeply Mm -hmm. into the sacramental life and our Catholic faith, and especially in the receiving of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, that we can truly feel His real presence, which is truly there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and to not just have it be routine or something I go do for obligation. It's something that we desire and want to experience in its fullness. And so we're just so grateful that you're with us today, Sister. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, sister, I, I was going to say, um, the the thing about mystagogy, we got to, a chance to talk a little bit during the break, and again, uh, having had experience with RCIA and and knowing a little bit of the tradition, the history of RCIA, the you know, the church's mind was for those coming into the church, you know, at the beginning when the the catechumenal process was first created, was that there's this notion that one couldn't really understand uh, the mysteries. Uh, of you know, the sacramental life and, and so on, the mysteries contained within the sacramental life without the grace of baptism. And uh, and there was this, what, what they called the discipline arcana, the, the, the discipline of secrecy. And they weren't, you know, like the, nowadays we have rehearsal before the Easter vigil and we're going to go here and these things are going to happen. But they didn't do it that, that, that way. There was, there was a very 
strong emphasis on letting the rights speak, letting letting the the language the church's language form someone so that weren't they weren't caught up in all the kind of details and that sort of thing. It sounds like that's kind of how this mystagogy series is created. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah, so starting today um, through I believe May twenty fifth, um, leading up to Pentecost, we're offering this seven week mystagogy series called Beautiful Light, uh, Paschal Mystagogy, in our weekly Harder the Revival newsletter, which is the official newsletter for the National Eucharistic Revival that's free, anyone can subscribe. And through this series, we've invited some wonderful writers, um, diverse group of men and women, to reflect on different moments of the Mass. So this Mystagogy series focuses in specifically from the Offertory at Mass through the minor doxology, through Him, with Him, and in Him at the end of the Eucharistic prayer. And so every week, a different will be focused in on and, you know, as you know, part of the tradition of mystagogy is actually experiencing and being present to that rite, whether it's one of the sacraments or during the Mass. And so when you're writing, it's a little bit hard to do that. So what we've done is we wrote as the first segment of each series an imaginative description of that Molina how people enter in through their memory and their imagination and their senses into what it would like to be present at the offertory. What am I seeing? What is the priest doing? What perhaps would be the movement of my heart at this moment of the Mass? So imagining it, becoming present to it in our memory. And then from there, um, a reflection question to help us stay with that for a bit. And then the next section is a short excerpt from one of our church fathers, who were the ones that really developed the mystagogical tradition. And then our authors have written a catechetical section on that part of the Mass to help us understand what do we believe here? What is actually happening? How can we go deeper into this mystery hmm. that Jesus is inviting us into through the Father and the Spirit? And then finally, an essential element of mystagogy is also not just experiencing my faith, not just, although how could you just pray the Mass, but it has to change me. I have to let it transform me. So how do I live Christ's day? How do I go from my experience of the Mass into my daily life, which can be challenging and exciting and anywhere in between, right? And and live from this experience, this encounter with Jesus at the Mass. Mm, I love that. I mean, the, the reality is, you know, our Catholic faith teaches us that whenever we go to Mass and whenever we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, we receive the full plenitude of grace adequate to make a saint of us, any one of us at that moment, right? Like there's, mm -hmm. there's nothing lacking to completely sanctify us there. The only thing that, that stops that from happening is that we're imperfectly disposed, right? Like we, yeah, we, we can only receive what we're disposed to receive. Right. There's no deficiency in what's present there. And so I, I, I think that what this effort is, is so critical in terms of actually converting our world and making saints of all of us is to, to really encounter Jesus there, to let him you know, touch us and move us and, and transform us from within. Uh, and so I, I just love this this aid, this guide that you that you're providing because I think it, it's really the way forward uh, for the the renewal, the transformation of our of our of our times, of our people. You know. Yeah, no, I'm so excited myself, and you know, <clears throat> we also have been developing since um, the Advent season weekly Eucharistic prayer companions, mm. and so those are a guide that anyone can either print. Um, from a PDF or even pull it up on their cell phone. It's uh, on our blog as well. 
that it's a, it's a resource for a person to pray during Eucharistic adoration. Hmm. Or if you can't make it to adoration, if you're homebound, you know, uniting yourself spiritually to the presence of our Lord in the Eucharist, praying from home, but it can be used for, we recommend 30 minutes to an hour of prayer. What we've done there is we're trying to help bridge the gap between our devotional life and our liturgical life. So we invite people to learn how to identify and pray for a grace hmm. um, each holy hour, and then we take excerpts from the readings from the upcoming Sunday Mass and invite you to reflect on that scripture with some questions to help you engage with it personally and then open your own heart up to how is the Lord speaking to me here. Um, but then we use the collect of the Mass to connect it again to the Mass and then invite the person who prayed to take whatever they were seeking or desiring and offer it at the upcoming Sunday Mass. So for our Myths to Go Do series, we also have our Easter Susan Prayer Companions ready. You can actually print the whole PDF of them today in English or in Spanish. What we've done a little different where we've taken that imaginative prayer moment of that rite of the Mass and incorporated it into the Prayer Companions so you'll reflect on that moment of the Mass and then an excerpt from the Gospel of the upcoming Sunday Mass. So we're just really trying to help um, differentiate the content from my teacher sure. language or sure. diversify the offering so that people can engage with it in different ways because we know that actually to repeat something is something very Ignatian, right? So yeah. Ignatius talks about repetition and going deeper in the graces, that if something continues to provide you grace, don't go jump to something else. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of at the heart of the mystical tradition. Is the Mass cannot, by the very right of what the Mass is, stop offering us grace. Right. right. Um, and so why would we try to go somewhere else when this is an inexhaustible fount of grace? Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That, that's glorious, uh, Sister. I just love the resources that are being provided to us. Uh, during this time of this National Eucharistic Revival. I, I had a question about going back to the Mystagogy series. So um, now that you have a variety of different uh, authors that are contributing to this, right? Can you tell us a little bit Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's part of this, everything about it to me is so thrilling that we have such a diverse um, lineup of authors. We have Archbishop Thompson from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and you know that the Eucharistic Congress will be hosted there um, next summer, 2024. So he was just so eager and excited to help. Uh, Sister Maria Miguel Wright is a Dominican sister, Mary Mother of the Eucharist, and Mm -hmm. she's actually on our editorial team for the newsletter, and she's helped me with some of our Eucharistic prayer companions, and her reflection is very beautiful. Uh, Jeff Havens, who I got Mm -hmm. to meet this year, a biblical scholar, is so gracious in accepting the invitation. Archbishop Sarton, um, who is also someone that I know personally, he's one of our retired bishops. He has a profound uh, wealth of experience in teaching the faith and also just very, very prayerful man, accompanying people in retreats and spiritual direction. Um, and then I was able to make a connection through one of our sisters, Sister Catherine Burmese, who's the daughter of St. Paul. She's also on our editorial team, and she's kind of my right-hand woman. And her sisters published Father Harrison Ayer's recent book um, called, I think I've got it right here, it's called Mysterion, and it's basically on the sacramental worldview. So he's a Canadian, a young Canadian mm. priest, and he's written for us, which I'm super thrilled about. Cool. And Kately Javier has been working in adult faith formation and Hispanic ministry out in, I believe, the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. So she's been lovely to work with. And then finally, 
our recent um, president, uh, elected president of the USTCB, Archbishop Broglio, hmm. whom I've had a chance to personally meet. He's also the Archbishop for the Archdiocese of Military Services. Hmm. Wonderful, wonderful bishop. I had lunch with him at a friend's ordination a number of years ago. So, I, I mean, and honestly, of the invitations I sent out, only one person had to decline. So people are just so eager to help. Mm. And I think that that, you know, just also shows us the movement of the Holy Spirit. It's like when doors are open and obstacles are removed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these are very busy people sure, yeah. who have full-time work in the church. And in the middle of, or at the very beginning of Lent, they all said yes. Mm. You know, so I think that we should take that as a sign as well. If a very busy people who are working for the church can say yes to giving of their time to prepare this for us. How is God inviting us to say yes to offering our time to encounter this gift and to engage with it so we can go deeper with Jesus? Mm. Yeah, it's so beautiful because the mystical body of Christ is not broken. The church is not broken. It's the people within. And this whole Eucharistic revival is just going to help heal and and, uh, create stronger... Eucharistic people, mm-hmm. you know, it, it um, and that's what's so needed because the number one reason that we have Catholics leave the church is because they're not feeling the full beauty of of that yeah. mystical body, and, and it's not broken. And so we as as practicing Catholics need to continue to deepen and, and learn more and engage more in the beauty of that mystery right. so that we can be Jesus to others who are struggling with the humanity of the church and the church politic. Yeah, sister, we just have about a minute and a half left, but how does one get subscribed to the newsletter if they are not already? Oh yeah, for sure. So you just go to eucharisticrevival.org slash newsletter. You can subscribe right there. Um, And we have the first edition up on our blog today. So if you're not yet subscribed, you can access Archbishop Thompson's reflection on the offertory. Uh, through the lens of sacrifice on the blog, you'll just find that in the footer. But yep, eucharisticrevival.org slash newsletter. Perfect. And the Mystagogy series runs these seven weeks of the Easter season, right? That's the Mystagogy period in the, <laughs> the church's life, right? That's correct. Through May 25th, that Thursday will be our last um, edition. Okay, wonderful. Well, sister, we are just overjoyed with the work that you and the bishops um, and all those involved in the Eucharistic Revival are doing. It is, as you said earlier, um, the, you know, unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, we have no life within him, and we need to be drawn to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, sister, thank you so much. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you for stepping into this, or responding to this call that you've received to assist with the, the Eucharistic Revival. I, I know that many people are being blessed through the work that you're doing. Thank you, sis. God bless you. You guys are my prayer. God bless you you. as well. All right. Well, what a gift. What a gift. uh, Gosh, it's hard to put into words. Yeah, because it's so mysterious. And and there's no way we're going to fully know it all. Uh, But we need to keep trying. We need to keep trying and keep praying. And we also need to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Not from praying and trying, but just from talking right now. So we'll be right back on the other side of this break. 